0: Everyone, welcome to our listeners in the Big Apple from across the United States and from around the world. I'm Jeff Goodman, and this is Rediscovering New York. I'm a real estate broker with Halstead, but Rediscovering New York is not a program about real estate. It's about New York City's neighborhoods and their history. On most programs, we focus on a particular neighborhood, exploring not only its history, but also its current vibe, its energy, and its texture. What makes the neighborhood special? And we do it through interviews with urban historians, preservationists, local business owners, artists, and sometimes interesting neighborhood personalities. Uh, Sometimes we host a show about an interesting theme of the city or part of the city that's not about a particular neighborhood. It might be about one of our parks, an extraordinary museum, history of our transit system, uh, the city in an age of a particular social or political movement, Uh, or some kind of unique New York architectural phenomenon that's on its own would uh, warrant a, a full program or examination like Rockefeller Center. Of course, each show is available on archive and podcast the day after the show airs. And tonight we are hosting a first program for a Bronx neighborhood. It's a special program because it is our first program of A Neighborhood in the Bronx, And also, it's the neighborhood where station owner and engineer tonight, Sam Leibowitz, grew up. So that's a very special event for us here. He's really excited about the show. Um, And our first guest is a regular on Rediscovering New York. And I'm always thrilled to have have him on the show. David Griffin is a lifelong architectural enthusiast, providing creative sales-enhancing services for the national real estate community. Uh, David is the founder and CEO of Landmark Branding, his clients include architects and design firms, in addition to developers, real estate brokers, and marketing companies. His Room at the Top series, which is co-hosted with Jennifer Wallace of Nascent Art New York, is the only ongoing networking series in real estate to feature tours of Manhattan's greatest buildings, and I've had the pleasure of being on some of his great events. David's writing has appeared in Real Estate Weekly, Metropolis, Dwell, and the National Trust's Preservation Magazine. David, welcome back to Rediscovering New York. Great to be here again, Jeff. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, How did you develop an interest in neighborhood and also architectural history?
1: Well, basically, I uh, grew up with uh, always having an interest in architecture. My, My family has always lived in older homes, and Uh, I was always growing up being very cognizant of their kind of architectural place in the country. And then, you know, as I grew older, I, I realized what an amazing field architecture actually is and how much it really the history of architecture is the history of America, in a sense. How America came to be is also a history of its architecture, whether you're talking about Thomas Jefferson with Monticello or you're talking about the development of the skyscraper and the Jazz Age, uh, cast iron, Roebling and the Brooklyn Bridge, other bridges, the railroads, the train stations. Um, almost anything and everything that has happened in America has been expressed through architecture. And that became kind of a very interesting focus for me in terms of learning how an urban environment develops and how urban culture develops in this country and in other places as well. It's, a, it's an amazing kind of story of uh, contrasts and comparisons.
0: I also want to add that David is the special consultant for Rediscovering New York and uh, comes up with all this interesting information about different neighborhoods, uh, sometimes neighborhoods that he's not uh, familiar with before I ask him to uh, to do the work for us. Um, Kingsbridge actually comprises a number of sub-neighborhoods within the the bigger neighborhood, doesn't it?
1: Yes. Uh, Kingsbridge is a neighborhood that is uh, just to the east of Riverdale, and it comprises three distinct neighborhoods, Kingsbridge proper itself, Kingsbridge Heights, and Van Cortland Village. Um, The original neighborhood from which these three neighborhoods basically derive uh, is named for actually the King's Bridge, which ought to be not that much of a surprise. Um, It was erected in 1693. By Frederick Philps um, whose estate is part of Philps Manor and actually some of the houses belonging to that family still stand as open museums north of Yonkers. Um, uh, anyway, Frederick Philps was a local lord. He was loyal to the the British monarch um, during the period of the Dutch colonial period and the bridge that he built spanned what is now a, a now filled in section of the Spuyten-de-Ville Creek. Uh, roughly parallel to today's 230th Street. Duyvil is one of my favorite train stations in New York to just kind of pass by on Metro North. I, when I commute in, it always gives me this like kind of little bit of a lift to see that name. Um, there's a little bit of an argument as to whether it means spite the devil or the devil's spout. Hmm. Um, I thought it meant spitting devil, but uh. <laughs> it, it, it's probably the the latter spitting devil, the devil's spout, because the the creek would have emptied out into the um, what is now the East River in a very very uh, kind of active manner. There's a thought that actually was named after a um, a drummer boy. This is an apocryphal story in the in the Revolution, who trying to swim the East River drowned, but not before he gave one last blast out of his trumpet. Yeah. To warn Washington's troops of the approaching British army, uh, thus spite the devil. Oh. But uh, is that actually true? No, <laughs> no? <laughs> <laughs> almost <laughs> certainly not. Well, but it's it's, it's 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 a charming story of the post colonial period, mm. um, and also
0: for those people who aren't uh, uh, Kingsbridge. Actually, is uh, now it's sort of landlocked uh, on the side where where Marble mm-hmm. Hill is. But originally, Marble Hill. Was part of Manhattan and the Spite and yes. Dival Creek mm-hmm. went where Spite and is and snaked up and the Harlem River actually ended right where that curve in the river comes right now.
1: Exactly. A canal was built and that severed Marble Hill from Manhattan. But Marble Hill, I believe, is still under the political jurisdiction of Manhattan and is counted in the census as being part of Manhattan in terms of the county. Yes. So
0: and also uh votes for Manhattan Borough President Gil Brewer. It's uh yes, yes. Exactly. So the Kingsbridge itself was part of
1: the Boston Post Road, uh connecting southern Westchester County, later of course the Bronx, um, with Marble Hill and then further north. Uh the bridge actually kind of interesting to kind of go back and see what people could find now because it's said to still be in place, that it was buried when the creek bed was filled in. So it may still be an intact archaeological feature under the landfill. If so, it would probably be the oldest surviving piece of engineering from the Dutch period to be preserved in any way. Um, whether or not they'd ever be able to find it or uncover it is uh, it's probably unlikely. But um, there is a the thought that it was never dismantled and was simply filled in along with the rest of the creek.
0: Well, it's you know, this is sort of interesting that we're doing this show now. I happened to be uh, up with a client in Riverdale and took uh, the train from where I live in Harlem up to Marble Hill... And as we were going down Marble Hill and then over to sort of a hill on the other side where Kingsbridge Avenue starts, there's a park there right now. Mm-hmm. And I thought, gee, is this the place where the Spite and Dive, because it's it's very low, where the Spite mm. and Diveville Creek used to be, and I wonder if the bridge is under there somewhere.
1: It, it may very well be. Although, um, as I said, I believe the location that they have pinpointed for it is parallel to 230th Street, which I think is a little further up the hill. Oh, so. okay.
0: Uh, The history of Europeans there actually predates uh, Mr. Phillips. uh, um, One of the uh, people that we have to thank for New York City, well, New Amsterdam, them getting its city charter, was a uh, gentleman, actually a junker, by the name of Adrian Uh, Vanderdonk. The New York City charter dates from 1653, and he, along with another businessman from uh, New Amsterdam, got the charter. But anyway, his estate... Was in the southern, uh, western part of the Bronx, all the way up to Yonkers, and he was he was a Yonker. His name was Adrian Vanderdonk. Great book, by the way, everyone. If you haven't read it by Russell Shorto, it's called "The Island at the Center of the World." Imagine someone calling Manhattan the island at the center of the world. A little, uh, well, <laughs> precocious, but we still mm.
1: call it that, do we not? <laughs>
0: yes. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Center of the universe is uh, uh, Sam from Kingsbridge uh, just chimed in. Um, when did uh, the first village coalesce in the area when you know there was like center of population and not just farmland? Uh,
1: really, uh, probably not until the 1870s was there actually what you would call a village in that area. There were, of course, the remnants of the great Dutch estates. Um, the British properties had kind of superseded them. Uh, But that entire area was actually relatively rural for a very, very long time. It's interesting to think that so much of New York City, which is so sort of urban and kind of built up, did not really exist in any kind of urban form until after the late 19th century when the trains, railways, and subways began to make their incursions into outlying areas. So in this case, currently, for example, Kingsbridge has a population of over 10,000, uh, but it wasn't until after the 20th century that a stop on the Northwest Bronx along the Hudson River, uh, Riverdale on Hudson, was created, and this gave rise to the Riverdale neighborhood. The remainder of the old town of Kingsbridge developed into modern-day Kingsbridge neighborhood in the uh, ensuing decades as other subways kind of made their way up into that area. So probably around 1890 through uh, 1910 is when we begin to see a real neighborhood develop there, which wasn't actually uncommon for Upper Manhattan either. A lot of Upper Manhattan was relatively untenanted until that period.
0: Mm. And then the uh, uh, Jerome Avenue extension of the subway was built, now the number 4 train, mm. um, sometime right after the First War. Um, speaking of the person, First World War—a little bit of across-the-pond uh, uh, terminology there. Um, uh, Want to get to to one of the people who started the company that built it in a second, but um, um, who was Leonard Jerome? What did he—he uh, uh, he was in the neighborhood. He he was responsible for for building a manor, and he also. Built something having to do with racetracks, didn't he?
1: Um, well, in 1866, uh, Jerome uh, bought the estate and mansion of James Bathgate, which was near Old Fordham Village in what was then rural Westchester County, but is now the Bronx. Um, Jerome and his partner, the financier August Belmont Sr., built Jerome Park Racetrack on the Bathgate land. And the first Belmont Stakes was held there in 1867. So then Jerome and his brother Lawrence had a wide boulevard made from the Macombs Dam area to the track, and the city authorities attempted to name it Murphy Avenue after a local politician. Now interestingly, this incensed Jerome's wife so much, not Jerome himself but his wife, that she had bronze plaques made up saying Jerome Avenue, And she bolted them into place along the road, forcing the city to accept the name. Shades of the possibly apocryphal young lady in Brooklyn Heights who tore down all those street signs all all those years ago.
0: So if anyone wants to have a street named after them, they just have to make up metal plaques and get them bolted to street posts before uh, they get taken down. Exactly. Is that the moral of the story? Exactly.
1: Um, The racetrack itself was actually acquired and demolished by the city in 1894. The Belmont Stakes, I believe, still exist, obviously, um, to make way for the Jerome Park Reservoir. Uh, the Bathgate Mansion itself, which served as a summer home for the Drum family, was in the early nineteen hundreds raised and replaced by one of the area's most distinguished buildings, actually one of the most distinguished buildings i'd say in the Bronx, the King'sbridge Armory.
0: Ooh. We'll get to talking in the armory uh, after the break in a minute, but when actually was the reservoir built? And that was built as, wasn't that built, that wasn't part of the original Croton uh, system? It was built? No, it was built
1: in 1894 through 1898. So, and it still exists there. It's the largest single feature in the Kingsbridge neighborhood hmm. in terms of a, a,
0: um, a, a open land. And August Belmont Sr., was was he the father of the, the Present subway, or was that his son? Was it August Belmont Jr.? Yeah. Okay, neither of us know. Okay. <laughs> sort of a, a Hollywood Square stump there. Exactly. Stumped the experts here. Uh, okay. Well, uh, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, uh, we're going to talk a little bit extensively about an amazing architectural feature in this neighborhood the Kingsbridge Armory. Uh, we'll be back in a minute.
2: You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network.
3: 24 hours a day.
0: We're back to Rediscovering New York and our program this week about Kingsbridge in the Bronx. And we're back with my first guest, David Griffin of Landmark Branding. David, why don't you tell us a little bit about Landmark Branding and what, and what you do?
1: Uh, sure, Jeff. So uh, basically, Landmark Branding is a way to assist uh, realtors, uh, brokers, Um, developers, architects, design firms and the tenants of both historic and architecturally distinguished buildings with sort of illuminating properties that they own or or are tenants of uh, or are trying to market Uh, and sort of a way of exploring the history of New York City architecture uh, the importance of architecture I feel as an economic driver for New York City Uh, the fact that um, buildings that are architecturally of interest, tend to be desirable in a way that those that aren't are not, and a certainly sort of a way of kind of turning a searchlight on buildings that may have sort of slipped through the cracks and been kind of forgotten. Um, so many buildings in New York City were built as headquarters or showpieces or were really designed with a, a kind of a legacy in mind. It's very interesting to be able to kind of bring them back, whether you're talking about a Victorian apartment house or uh, potentially a mid-century modern office building and really see some of the craft and the detail and the the attention that was paid to the urban fabric in that time period and kind of say, you know, these things are just as contemporary now as they were back in their day. There's no reason that they can't be part and parcel of um, a way for, you know, people to move forward in terms of business.
0: Mm. And it's really a great idea, especially in a market where real estate is so expensive, to to empower owners of properties to use great historical and beautiful architectural parts of the buildings and incorporate that into their marketing.
1: Exactly. So. I, I always say if you're not going to demolish, polish.
0: And uh, what is your website, and how can people get in touch with you if they're interested in learning more about your business?
1: The website is LandmarkBranding.com. My email address is dgriffin at LandmarkBranding.com. There's a link on the website. Uh, My blog is Every Building on Fifth. It's a capsule history of every single building on Fifth Avenue. Uh, we're just going into, I think,
0: 133rd Street. Now. I didn't know that. This is news to me. Oh, this really? This is great. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah. No, I, we're, we're, we're literally we're just a few weeks away from finishing up. I'm very – I'm kind of excited. I'm kind of sad in the same way because I've, I've been able to walk the entire length of Fifth Avenue, take pictures of every single building, write kind of a mini history of it. Um, and, uh, yeah, so – I also run two networking series, one Jeff had mentioned called Room at the Top with Jennifer Wallace, shout out to her, and James Wallace of Nason Art New York, a great arts firm. Uh, and we do tours of historic skyscrapers. And then the other one, the Limita series, I run with Cole Harrell and Caroline McCarthy. And that's geared more towards a tech audience, and it's about fine arts and technology. And we've done a lot of things in architecturally distinguished spaces, um, talking a little bit about how architecture and technology kind of cross purposes.
0: Oh, we'll have to have a segment on the show devoted to that, dedicated to that sometime. Um, speaking of great architectural buildings, uh, uh, there's the armory in Kingsbridge. You know, having... Been around New York a lot and seen a lot of armories. They're all impressive and they're all big, but that is one big ass armory. It's it's huge. It, it goes. You you get off the train and you go sort of uh, over to the highway and it just keeps going on and on. It doesn't it doesn't end.
1: It is uh, thought to be actually the largest armory in the world. Um, there may be a larger one in um, uh, Eastern Europe, but. This one is the largest intact one for certain. Uh, it was uh, built um, as we mentioned before on the site of the um, original bathgate
0: mansion and did the city condemn the bath? Do you know if the city condemned the property or the mm, state to take no, it? no not. Or I,
1: I think I think by that point, the Jerome family probably donated the property to the city um, they weren't in other words, there was no um, eminent domain involved. Um, the Armory Complex occupies almost an entire five-acre block, which is unheard of, uh, between West Kingsbridge on the south, Jerome Avenue on the east, and West 195th Street on the north, bordering Reservoir Avenue on the west. Um, Barnell Square, which is the junction of Kingsbridge Reservoir, is on the southwest corner, and the Kingsbridge Road Station on the IRT, the Jerome Avenue line, New York City, is directly adjacent to the Armory's West End. When you get out the platform, which has recently, by the way, been renovated, the huge, huge mass of this building just rears up literally against the station. It's quite remarkable. Um, the building is in a kind of castellated Gothic style, uh, by which I mean the offices and the, um, the sort of administrative portion of it uh, looks uh, to have kind of castellated towers Um, it's a very kind of quote-unquote what they would consider a romantic building during the 19th century but the amazing thing is is that the drill hall itself is a gigantic almost completely undecorated um, iron and glass shed one of the largest enclosed spaces in the world under an iron glass roof Uh, and that is almost entirely without ornament so the interesting thing is that it's a it's sort of a a dichotomy between the heavily gothic style of the the brick and masonry portion of the building, which is where the as I said, the offices where our public rooms would be, et cetera, and so forth, and the drill hall assembly, which is this very, very, very beautiful, but very, very severe and very industrial looking building. And the only Comparison that I can make with any other building that I know of particularly would be St. Pancras in London, the train station, Mm -hmm. where a kind of a gothic um, fairy tale building fronts uh, an enormous, relatively undecorated and very uh, kind of ethereal glass and iron train shed. And it's thought that the architect was, in fact, inspired less by other contemporary armory buildings and more by train architecture both in Europe and in the United States, where those sheds were then attached to uh, very grand public buildings in a very different sense. When was it built? Uh, It was built in uh, 1900 through 1912.
0: And um, Did the architect build other armories as well? Was he or she, I'm assuming he in those days, known known as someone who who built armories?
1: The the, the architect was Louis Pilcher, Uh, and actually he built a lot of academic and, uh, some medical buildings as well. As far as I know, this was his only armory structure, although he did do a lot of work for the military in terms of office buildings. Mm. Um, so the building itself in terms of the, the, what we consider sort of the office part of it, quote unquote, uh, it's a nine story, which is already gigantic red brick building, um, and then the the glass itself kind of extends backwards from the castellated part of it. Uh, the brickwork in the um, the administrative portion has been considered among the city's finest. It's stone trimmed. Uh, there's corbels. There's turrets. There's all these kind of like Gothic paraphernalia. So in some ways, it's a it's a very sort of like you know Hogwarts meets you know the Ivy League kind of fantasy. But then, uh, as I said, if you're viewing it from the train platform at the other end, you have the sense of almost like a gigantic, sort of like almost a Zeppelin uh, house, etc. and so wow, forth. Like wow. You could really see it as being a, a, a structure for aeronautics. It's that large.
0: Is it accessible to the public for any events or any, any art shows, any, any activities? Uh, a, a number of armories are. They have art shows. They have other functions. On
1: there. and off, but in this case, this particular armory has been under a, a number of plans for rejuvenation, and I believe at this point it really is not open to the public,
0: unfortunately. Mm. Sam, when you were growing up, did you see any, any drilling happening there in the armory? Like?
3: I saw military trucks coming in.
0: Ah, okay. Sam uh, said he did see military trucks coming in and out, so it was used as an armory. Mm-hmm. There. Uh.
3: It was actually in um, a Michael J. Fox movie. I
0: ah. Well, we're going to move a little bit north of the armory uh, to the uh, space right below Van Cortlandt Park. That's called Van Cortlandt, the third part of uh, Stevensbridge. Yes, mm-hmm. Um And uh, there was uh, a cooperative built that was known as the Yiddish Cooperative. It was named after. Uh, the famous author of of Yiddish language, Shalom Aleichem, who wrote the uh, stories that Fiddler on the Roof is based on. Uh, How did that get started?
1: Well, it was started um, actually as a cooperative project by socialist um, Jewish members of the Socialist and Communist Parties, interestingly enough. Um, This is a very interesting chapter of New York's uh, city history. And one of the uh, kind of few instances where we have kind of an architectural record of uh, communism um, in terms of like a social construct in New York. Um, there, it's a 15-building kind of neo tudor structure, rather fortress-like, and certainly not the kind of thing that one would associate with communism to look at. It looks very much like the type of luxury buildings being developed, for example, in Scarsdale during the same period, but of course, that might have been kind of the point, it's sort of like, well, all right, we believe in this certain kind of social construct, but that doesn't mean we can't live just as luxuriously as people do you know, elsewhere. Um, it basically was finished in 1927, uh, and it, again, named for the, the legendary author, of course, who wrote, I believe, um, the stories that would become Fiddler on the Roof. Yes,
0: Tevye and his daughters, Tevye the milkmaid; those were his, uh, some of his books.
1: Exactly. So it was founded as one of the first, uh, the country's very first housing cooperatives. And in this sense, that meant an actual community of people kind of living together and kind of sharing certain things um, as opposed to a cooperative building where people, you know, obviously they're they're still sharing going on, but it's of a much more uh, kind of abstract and regulated structure. Um, It was a a very close-knit community. It produced a generation of scientists, artists, virtual neighborhood within a neighborhood, it uh, Unfortunately, it failed during the Great Depression, as so many kind of utopian aspects of American society did.
0: The same uh, befell the Dunbar Apartments exactly. in northern Harlem in the, in, during the Depression. Yeah.
1: So um, it's uh, still extant. Um, the courtyard is still intact. Um, it's still very much a working class, very diverse uh, community. Uh, the complex has gone through some difficult times. Uh, in. 2013 it was acquired by an owner who has been evidently restoring it to its original grandeur and has renamed the complex after the author. After Oh, uh, ah. Yes, the Sholemai after- houses. So it is still there and it's a, sort of this interesting kind of microcosm, I think, of communal living but also neo Tudor and arts and crafts architecture <laughs> in New York City during the kind of the Garden City period.
0: Hmm. Kingsbridge is home more recently to many immigrant communities from different places. What are some of the, the countries that, that, whose uh, uh, people have, have populated Kingsbridge over, over the years?
1: Well, predominantly, as the neighborhood developed very rapidly after the incursion of the railroads, it was an Irish-American community. Uh, and it still kind of reflects that. There are still certain places where you can go and, for example, see hurling as a sport – um, it was a very important, and still was, until recently, I, I think, may still be an important kind of station on what they call the Kaylee circuit. Uh, Kaylee dancing is... Mm-hmm. Um, Irish uh, sort of ballroom dancing. And Uh, Scottish, but yeah. (laughs) Scottish, but but sort of uh, it's derived from the French quadrilles in which four couples face each other and make formal movements throughout. Uh, American square dancing actually is derived somewhat from the same tradition, but comes down from um, English and French antecedents as opposed to the Irish and Scottish ones. Um, So it was Irish until... I would say the late 1970s and uh, currently although there's still an Irish population there, we have African-Americans, Hispanics, Asians, Albanians, and Greeks. Um, The largest Hispanic group um, in Kingsbridge today are the Dominicans. And it really has become kind of a center of Dominican culture and cuisine for not just the Bronx but I'd say New York City as a whole. It's a very uh, lively and very kind of engaged community and really kind of a vital center, I think, for um, Kingsbridge today. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, isn't that the story of not only the United States, but the story of New York, uh, the gateway to so many different peoples coming from around the world? Well, uh, David Griffin of Landmark Branding, thank you so much for uh, your time here on Rediscovering New York. It's great to see you again.
1: And thank you, Jeff.
0: And when we come back, we're going to speak with uh, another guest who has a more recent history in Kingsbridge. Uh, Stay tuned. We'll be back in a minute.
2: You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network.
0: Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. Talking Alternative
3: Radio, 24 hours a day.
0: We're back. Support for Rediscovering New York comes from our sponsors. The Mark Myman team, mortgage strategist at Freedom Mortgage. For assistance in any kind of residential mortgage, Mark and his team can be reached at 646-330-4735. And the law offices of Thomas Sianka, specializing in trusts, estate planning, and probate administration. Tom and his staff can be reached at 212-495-0317. Rediscovering New York is a show about neighborhoods and the myriad textures of New York. Uh, But even though I work in real estate, one thing our show is not about is the business of real estate. But there is a good one, Good Morning New York with Vince Rocco. It airs on Tuesday mornings live at 9 a.m. and can be heard live at voiceamerica.com. You can like us on Facebook, uh, Rediscovering New York with Jeff Goodman. And also follow me on Instagram. My Instagram handle is Jeff Goodman NYC. I know it's novel, but there you have it. If you have comments or questions, or if you'd like to get on our show's mailing list, you can email me, Jeff at RediscoveringNewYork.NYC. And one other note before we get to our second guest, when I'm not hosting the show, I'm a real estate broker. I help my clients buy, sell, lease, and rent property. If you'd like to see how I can help you with your real estate needs, you can reach me at 646 646- 306-4761, or of course, Jeff at rediscoveringnewyork.nyc. My next guest is a local business owner whose business, uh, the Kingsbridge uh, Social Club, is on Kingsbridge Avenue between two hundred thirty six and 238th Street. Dave Lindsay, Dave hails from Providence, Rhode Island. Dave studied and has a Bachelor of Arts in Psychology from URI. For those of you who don't know the acronym, it's the University of Rhode Island, Uh, He moved to New York in 2006. Before opening the Kingsbridge Social Club, he managed a few other businesses, including the Bronx Ale House for more than six years, which is just around the corner from the Kingsbridge Social Club. Uh, Dave also worked in sales for the Harpoon Brewery in New York for two years and likes to refer to himself as a bit of a beer nerd. (laughs) Dave and his partners opened the Kingsbridge Social Club two years ago in March of 2017. Dave Lindsay, welcome. Welcome.
2: Thank you very much for having me.
0: Where in Rhode Island are you from originally? And I'm only asking because I have a little summer camp history in Rhode Island and have some friends from up there.
2: Okay. Originally from Cranston, Rhode Island, right in uh, Patuxent Village, which is a uh, little colonial village right along the Patuxent River that leads out to Narragansett Bay.
0: Ah, okay. I've mentioned a friend of mine before who lived in Warwick, uh, and she moved to Cranston. She used to live on uh, Jefferson Boulevard. Like,
2: <laughs> I know it well.
0: Yes. Um do you know the Bodells by chance? Uh, no, no. Okay, I don't. okay. Yeah, Rhode Island small, not that. <laughs> That's <yeah. what's>, okay. <laughs> what brought you to New York when you moved here in 2006?
2: Well, I was running a business and uh, bartending downtown Providence, Rhode Island. And my uh, girlfriend at the time, and still girlfriend, um, went to uh, Rhode Island School of Design for architecture. Uh, she moved back in 2005, and uh, we did the long distance thing for a little bit, and eventually, I decided that New York was a, a place that I wanted to live and give it a shot.
0: Ah, and you're still here, so it must be uh, uh, working for you. As I often uh, tell people who move here from other places, home is where the heart is. I love it. You're a self-described beer nerd. I've never heard anyone use that term to describe themselves before. Um, How do you, you know, is it just because you appreciate it, or also you've worked a lot in the industry? Well, the craft
2: beer industry has absolutely blown up over the last, you know, ten years or so. So basically, as a beer nerd, I want the new beer, and then I want to go to the brewery, and then I want to bring the brewery to my restaurant or my bar so that I can share it with others.
0: You worked uh, for the Harpoon Brewery uh, before or after you started the Bronx Ale House. Um, how did you get involved with them? Did you seek them out? Did they find you somehow? What was the—,
2: the- Well, I was at the time, I was, um, I was running a, a, a place called Manchester Pub in, in Midtown East, and uh, that changed ownership, time to move on. And uh, as the the buying uh, manager, um, I got to know the sales rep from Harpoon. So um, they decided to bring on another sales rep. That was me for a short amount of time until I realized that sales wasn't really my thing.
0: Yeah. Oh. And maybe interacting with people who were appreciating uh, the craft was, was was more, and running that business was more important than selling it to people who were uh, serving it.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Beer sales. Yeah. Every it's 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 a it's a pretty easy sale. You know, like you're you're selling to people that are looking to buy the liquid. So it's, it's you know it was fun, but yeah.
0: How did you get started at the Bronx Ale House? Well,
2: right after I, uh, right after I finished up with Harpoon Brewery, um, I had already known uh, the owners of the Bronx Ale House. Um, they actually have a sister bar, uh, quote unquote sister bar, right around the corner from where we are now, um, on eighty third and Amsterdam. A place called George Keeley's, um, and I was a regular, and I sold them beer. Yeah, you know, and eventually it was like, you know, it, it, the, the trust was already there. So when the opportunity was there to open up a, uh, I mean, to help manage their space, I jumped at the opportunity.
0: And for those of you who haven't been, the Bronx Ale House is a really cool place. It's a rather large, uh, not a huge bar, but it has several sections. It's on 238th Street, probably a two-minute walk from uh, the number one stop. And uh, they also have really great food as well um little plug I've been. yeah,
2: and that it, it started one fourth the size of what it is now so it's 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 taken over store uh four storefronts so it's it's very much expanded over uh over over its ten years
0: when how long after you were at the Bronx ale house did you decide that you wanted to 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 open up your own business well with the uh with the owners
2: of the Bronx ale house um one of the – the there were two brothers, uh, Italian brothers from Poughkeepsie, and um, one of them had opened up the Bronx Ale House. The other one is a, a – in my opinion, a, just an amazing chef, and uh, he wanted to open up his own business. Um, so he does the back of house. He's my partner at, at Kingsbridge Social Club, and uh, the, my job is to kind of run the front of
0: house. Oh. When you decided that you wanted to to open up your own business with your partner, did at that point did you uh, decide that you wanted to to do it in Kingsbridge, or was it just through a convenience that 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 happened?
2: Well, I mean, the way that the I mean, the Bronx Ale House was, it, it to me, it seemed like that neighborhood was really welcoming a new business, um, and just having been in the neighborhood, we were kind of kept our eye on the real estate right around that neighborhood and uh the space that we're in was originally a uh or not originally but the last business was actually a small greek restaurant that had closed down um so so yeah, there's already some yeah yeah well no no we completely gutted it and started over but yeah we just we love the neighborhood it's right off of a uh it's right off of a train stop, right off of the one train. So it's – it just – it really made sense to us and we already love the – we really love the people.
0: Speaking of the people in the neighborhood, describe the vibe of Kings Ridge. What is it that you, that you like about it?
2: The thing that I like about it the most is um, – and, I'll, and I'll, I'll even say as much as I love the, the neighborhood that I live in, um, I really started to love New York City when I started working at the Bronx Ale House because – Um, I grew up in a very working class neighborhood in Rhode Island and Kingsbridge is, is a very much a working class neighborhood. Uh, so it's, it's the tape that, uh, type of neighborhood that when you're walking down the street, you say hi to your neighbor, you know, and you know, you don't just, you know, stare at your feet and walk down the road.
0: Hmm. That makes it a little small townish then
2: in that sense. I believe so.
0: You know, now this is going to be a New York question. I may be putting you on the spot a little bit. Uh, is there anything that excites I, that excites you about about Kingsbridge? Not just that it's friendly and nice, but that really... It's,
2: it, it, it surprises me every, you now. like, just the other day. Just, um, I had, even on my day off, I went into Kingsbridge Social Club for brunch. And then we walked over to Van Cortland Park. And just just the neighborhood the fact that you know you have gaelic park right there you know we were talking about that before where they play irish football it's uh mainly owned by men i think it's owned by manhattan college now but they still do a lot of uh irish events there but and then we walked over to van cortlandt park and there were like seven different cricket games going on at the time and and it's just you know van cortlandt park i believe it's the second largest park in new york city outside of pelham bay mm-hmm. And just it's and it's heavily used. You know, it's uh, there's just tons of soccer matches going on. There's five different cricket matches, and you know just that. You know, the fact that it's a it's a it's a destination for a lot of different people,
0: mm. and it's the last stop on the one train. so it also makes it convenient to get to. Yeah. Uh, it, digressing for a little bit, I, I I remember reading somewhere that that there's a runners club that has their after events at at, at, at the Ale house at the Bronx Ale house. I so, know them well. Absolutely.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. In fact, uh um they come into Kingsbridge Social Club all the time too. They had um uh right before the New York City Marathon, I believe it was the, the couple of days before, but it was right around there. They had a uh, a full dinner. The whole Van Cortlandt Track Club took over Kingsbridge Social Club and did their carb loading for the for the marathon.
0: Oh, they did it before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah. Okay. Oh, the social club, not at the L House, no. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, different kind of carbs. <laughs> um, has Kingsbridge changed a lot since you started working at the L House? I mean, since, <laughs> since you opened your business, that was just, that was two years ago. But you've been in the neighborhood now. Uh, for 8 years as 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 a professional and as a business person has it changed much since in that 8 years
2: I haven't seen much of a change as far as the people uh I would say that the the uh the way that it's developed um I'm hoping a bit that it's uh it's a small bit of a phase uh because there's a lot of uh national franchises coming in there's like a BJ's wholesale club and there's a Buffalo Wild Wings so I mean, nothing against those places. You know, enjoy them if you'd like. But uh, it's a little bit of the uh, of the of the the uh, development has been very car driven. So mm-hmm. hopefully, that's a you know small amount of time.
0: Hmm. Is there anything that surprised you about the neighborhood texture since you opened your own business there? Anything that 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 uh you didn't uh that you didn't expect to encounter that you encountered or that that was sort of oh wow i didn't realize that there was this texture of the neighborhood this feature about it that that that's there
2: um i'm going to jump back to the way that I answered another question uh I would say that it was it's just so family oriented that was actually one of the reasons that we thought that a small family restaurant would actually uh would do well um you know, good amount of Dominican families, you know, and, and, you know, they you know, we do a lot of family, uh, uh, people love pizza. So it's, it's, it's a family restaurant, you know, and, and, you know, the Bronx Ale House is a little bit more of a, of a, a bar. Mm-hmm. And this is a little bit more of a family restaurant.
0: And I'm guessing that most of your customers actually live in Kingsbridge and they, that's, you have to repeat customers and that's, they come over and over again.
2: A good amount of, of, of people right in that section of Kingsbridge, but also a good amount of people coming down from, uh, Riverdale. Um, I, the Riverdale press did a really, really nice job. They, they, right in the beginning, they like jumped in and wrote a smoke, like really nice article on us. Um, but yeah both Kingsbridge the, the we want to be a community we want to be part of that community um, so but yeah Riverdale and that part of Kingsbridge absolutely
0: mm. all right well we're going to take a short break and when we return we're going to continue our conversation with Dave Lindsay of the Kingsbridge Social Club We'll be right back
2: You are listening to the Talking Alternative Network
0: talkingalternative.com We're back to rediscovering New York with our guest, Dave Lindsay of the Kingsbridge Social Club. Uh, Dave, your activities in Kingsbridge are not just limited to to serving and providing people with good food and and drink. It's also you're also become uh, part of the fabric of the community. Uh, you I you were speaking recently about a about a panel that you hosted at the Kingsbridge Community Center. Uh, it
2: was yeah, Kingsbridge Heights uh, Community Center. It's okay. for uh, for a local uh, children and um, it was myself and I think it was seven other uh, panelists and we were able to speak to the local to the local kids somebody asked me that was a a regular at Kingsbridge Social Club and of of course I'm going to say yes
0: Mm -hmm. it's really good to do that kind of stuff um as a business owner, is there anything that you struggle with in the neighborhood? I know that's also kind of a pointed question. I like asking pointed questions sometimes.
2: Well, I wouldn't say that it's the neighborhood that is is. Uh, the, I think the challenge that we have or we had in the beginning is uh, Kingsbridge Avenue is not heavily foot trafficked. So even though you're right off of Broadway, you now the foot traffic there isn't much there, and also our storefront is very. Yeah, you know, it's, it's you you could walk right by and not really have any idea what it is, and then we also had to get past the fact that we named it Kingsbridge Social club, so people are people thought that it was a uh, like uh a private club private club <laughs> exactly yeah, a private club with a you know a big banner with the name on it you know and usually social clubs wouldn't have the the name on there if they weren't a a restaurant but you know, I think we've gotten past that point so. Mm.
0: And by the way, your website is kingsbridgesocialclub.com. Correct. Correct. Okay. And you also uh, have uh, a Facebook page and other social media, no? All of it. Oh, good. good. All of it. Excellent. Excellent. Hopefully, okay. well,
2: yeah. like I, I do a lot of the social media, so I, I do the best that I can. But, yeah.
0: <laughs> is there anything that Kingsbridge doesn't have as a neighborhood that you wish it had, just in terms of uh, facilities, in terms of things that you've seen in other parts of the city?
2: Uh, not really you know i think that it that it offers you know everything that any other part of the city offers um i you know possibly wish that there was a the, you know like the whole idea of the a rising tide you know it's, I, I wish there were you know maybe a few more family-run restaurants you know so there was a little bit more foot traffic in the neighborhood but
0: do you see yourself opening up another business in Kingsbridge down the road?
2: If the opportunity, you know, came, uh, absolutely. Um, this is pretty much taking all my time right now. We're only two years in. Um, you know, in the first year, it was a little, you know, a little tough. But you know, I think we're really kind of hitting our stride. But yeah, if, if something else opened up in that neighborhood, I, I would love to. Uh-
0: you know you, you are in a really tough business. I have a lot of respect and admiration for people who are in the restaurant business when I, I had a I come from the advertising business and for six years, I sold advertising to small local businesses and I just thought restaurant tours worked really, really hard. I mean many business people do but 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 you guys have a special uh, calling and a special uh, way that you have to do your business and it is uh, a lot.
2: <laughs> you have to enjoy it. You know, if, if, if you don't. Uh, the, the fun thing is that people are coming into a restaurant looking to have a good time. So, you know, you do have that going for you. It's just it's your job now to make sure that they have that good time.
0: What advice would you have for someone? You mentioned you'd like to see other businesses open up. What, what advice would you have for, for someone who is thinking about opening a business? Not just one like yours, but another kind of business.
2: Um if we were talking about specifically Kingsbridge, I, I would say that um really embrace the neighborhood, you know, be part of the community, you know, uh get to know your neighbors, you know, take care of your neighbors, you know, it's like really be part of the fabric.
0: Hmm. Do you have any interesting or colorful neighborhood personalities without mentioning any names of people who uh, just things? Can I name a name? Sure, if you want. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I I, I just don't like to put people on the spot to say, well, you know, someone did this and to blurt the name out on the person. (laughs) But but no, by all uh, means, you know, he'll be
2: he'll be fine with this. Uh, We um, we used a uh, local graffiti artist to do a lot of the artwork on the inside and the outside of the building. Uh, His name is Tracy 168. He's uh pretty well. Oh, there you go, Sam. <laughs> do You know Tracy? I
0: know Tracy. Oh, uh, uh, very
2: good. Yeah, yeah. He's I mean, old time now. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, he was uh, very well known for the the wild style style of graffiti back in the, the early '80s, even late '70s, and he did uh, a lot of the artwork for us. So yeah, and he's certainly a colorful character. Mm.
0: <laughs> so he actually he actually decorated some of the trains and some of the subway tunnels.
2: Uh, yes, absolutely. <laughs>
0: what else could you tell us about the neighborhood that, uh, uh, inspires you, that gets you excited that, uh, um, you know, to, to give people as much of a, I'm guessing, you know, we, this is our first show about doing a neighborhood in the Bronx and, uh, we, I picked Kingsbridge because it was a little, you know, it's not the first thing on everyone's, you know, top, people think about Riverdale uh, and they think about uh, uh, other parts of the Bronx. But, you know, I wanted to give people – the purpose of the show is to give people as much of a sense of some of New York's hidden gems of neighborhoods. So um, are there any other things that you can uh, share with us about about things that make Kingsbridge special to you and that excite you about it that we haven't talked about? Uh, it, there's just such a pride to that neighborhood. You know, like uh,
2: you have – uh, the old Irish community, you know, but yet they're still there. There aren't as many Irish as there used to be, but Gaelic Park is still there. You have uh, Van Cortlandt right there. You have that, which has the I think it's the oldest public golf course in the United States. So you have Van Cortlandt, you know, golf course. You have Van Cortlandt down you know, the track club. You have, you know, there's just there's so much going on. Um, you know you have a small Greek community. You have, you know, a relatively large dominican community, you know, and, you, and then you have one little italian restaurant in the middle of it that, you know, everybody really has embraced, which is, you know, it's it's amazing to be part of.
1: Mm.
0: Do you feel that you have any competition in the space of italian restaurants at Kingsbridge?
2: Uh, uh well, I mean there are there are a couple, but you know, like I'll I'll go back to the uh, the idea that, you know, like it's not really competition, yeah you know, like there's there are enough people around that neighborhood well, that I didn't mean competition I meant complimentary
0: oh, right. you know like, like you know that that you will complement each other because of course if you have restaurants around that are similar, it, it tends to bring people right know, people out and right.
2: Yeah, I mean it's uh no, not really, And uh, not in that section uh, section of Kingsbridge. There are a couple places up in uh, up in Riverdale, and there's actually a pretty well known Italian restaurant that you know I'll certainly plug. And I know people, a couple people that have worked there are called Beccafino, which is mm-hmm. you know been around for quite a bit of time, I I believe anyway. Definitely the time that I've been there, so.
0: Or is that sort of up on the hill, up towards? It's, it's uh, up a little the,
2: further uh, northern Riverdale, I believe, like
0: almost almost Yonkers border. Was
2: that? I think they call that area Skyview. Oh, is it it's okay?
0: Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh And you mentioned uh, Van Cortlandt Park too. The oldest house in the Bronx is the Van Cortlandt House, right in the Bronx. In fact, when you get off the train at uh, 242nd Street, you can see it.
2: Unfortunately, I I I, we, I was just there. I was there two days ago. And uh, unfortunately, it was it was closed at the time, so wow. I wasn't able to take a small tour. But
0: you know, I've been up there a number of times. I have I do business in the Bronx, and uh, uh, this is one of those New York things. You know, having uh, New Yorkers never go to the Statue of Liberty, or Native, us sure. natives ever yeah. been to the Statue of Liberty. I have seen. I've gotten off that train and have walked around and have been in buildings, and I I have seen that. House maybe a hundred times and I've never gone into it. It's a it's a lesson I should I should I should do that. Uh, and also Van Cortlandt Park, I believe has uh, there's a water treatment plant. Uh, not a water treatment plant, but uh, a um, some kind of a purification plant under the park, isn't there? Is that like uh, um, I'm not sure. Oh, um, yeah, uh, the. Uh, a long time ago, the uh, the city, we have three reservoir systems. We On the west side of the Hudson, we have the Delaware and the Catskill system. The original reservoir system that we talked about uh, with David was uh, the Croton Reservoir System, which was actually opened in 1841 and 1842. New York City got its first regular supply of fresh water. And uh, I think 20 years ago, uh, the water, from because it comes from a different place and it's more heavily populated, the Croton system was found to have had um, higher amounts of certain kinds of bacteria. So the federal government made the city build a – it's not a filtration plant. What is it? It, 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 it's, it is a filtration plant. It filters out some of those elements. And they built it under Van Cortlandt Park. Oh, wow. They built it and they built—they reconstructed part of the part and built over it, which um, is one of the reasons why we have such high w- water and sewage rates in New York. We're still paying off those bonds. Well, Dave Lindsay of the Kingsbridge Social Club, thank you so much for, for visiting us today. Thank um, you. For our listeners, the Kingsbridge Social Club is on Kingsbridge Avenue between 236 and 238th Street. And they serve great pizza and Italian food and great beer, of course, Dave being a beer nerd. And uh, don't forget the Bronx Ale House, its a sister business around the corner on 238th Street. Thanks for joining us today. If you have comments or questions about the show if you'd like to get on the show's mailing list, you can email me, jeff at rediscoveringnewyork.nyc. You can like us on Facebook, and you can also follow me on Instagram at jeffgoodmannyc. I'd like to thank our sponsors, the Mark Myman team, mortgage strategists at Freedom Mortgage, and the law offices of Thomas Iacca specializing in trusts, estate planning, and probate administration. And don't forget, when I'm not hosting the show, I'm a real estate agent at Halstead, and whether you're selling, buying, leasing, or renting, My team and I provide our clients with the best service in real estate and and expertise in New York City real estate, excuse me. You can reach me and my team at 646-306-4761 or, of course, right here, Jeff at rediscoveringnewyork.nyc. Our producer is Ralph Storier. Our engineer is Kingsbridge native Sam Leibowitz. Our special consultant is David Griffin of Landmark Branding, who was our first guest tonight. Stay tuned for At Home with David Thiergartner" coming up next at 8 p.m. right here on talkradio.nyc and at 9 p.m., Beyond Potential, Living Life Your Way with Noreen Sumter. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.
2: You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network.
1: Hey, all you crazy listeners.
3: Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at Talking Alternative.